Welcome to the Wasting Time podcast. I'm here with Chris. Hello, Chris. What's up, Nick? We are three, four days post your stag do. Yes, we are. All recovered? Just about now. Yeah, just about. What about yourself? I'm fine. Yeah, but I didn't put half or half as much away as, as you did. Yeah, that's probably fair to say. Two, two very late nights for you. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. And also at my age it's that kind of thing takes its toll a little bit more so i'm not used to doing two nights in a row like that so i really took some time to recover from it but i had the time in my life so it it was it was worth it been a while since you've been partying till 5 a.m in a university dormitory yeah about... <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah looking forward to the wedding now what we got four weeks four weeks ish yep four weeks yeah Hopefully four weeks all going four weeks on on saturday that's right, yeah. Well, that's very exciting. Yeah. It's yeah. all very normal, like all these normal things going on. Meeting, to, meeting. how many were on your stag do? 20, 20 odd guys? Yeah, about 23, something like that. It's been a long time since I've met up with 20 guys in one place. Yeah, no, it's, been, it's, um, it's surreal to do things like that again. It's weird. I feel like every now and then we mention my wedding on this podcast and we've been doing it for so long now because it's just... I feel it's like fucking part of my identity at this point, you know, because it's just like, oh, how's the wedding planning going? So um, rescheduling to finally happen. Yeah. But in, 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 in terms of sort of doing normal things again, you went to a gig last night, right? I did. And that was very, very surreal experience. Um, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I went to see a band called Clean Cook Kid, who are a band from Liverpool. Seen seen them a few times, actually. It's um, one of Lucy's, my wife's. Um, best friends, sisters band. So lovely, um, but you know they've done quite well for themselves. They actually ended up on like getting loads of songs on Made in Chelsea. Actually, oh, did they? <laughs> okay, that's exposure at least. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know they're a really good live band. They're like like really harmonic. Like the keyboard player and the this like the guitar player and singer. They're they're married and they they're, they're kind of a vocal duo as well. So they're re- they're you know really good to listen to and yeah it was nice and like say it was a bit surreal a bit like emotional at times like checking yourself just kind of yeah. where you were and like where you know where we've come from and what the last year has been just kind of being there and being present and yeah it was it was nice was the um, venue like deliberately half empty or something like that it was like a you had like tables so it was in oh, like table see, yeah. table okay. service yeah okay. um so it was all seated yeah um and I tell you what, I quite like the idea of like table service at a gig. Like I'm, I'm all here <laughs> as, for, as, for that. As you said that, I was just thinking, oh, that that sounds really nice, actually. That's it. You basically there was like a light on your table, and when you wanted a drink, you just pressed your light, and someone would come over. I mean, and, that kind of sounds beautiful, doesn't it? I mean, bars at gigs are probably the worst kind of bars and festivals, of course. Of course. I remember you. Uh, you liked the uh, sla- the Cuban slam dunk last year, didn't you? Yeah, well, it, it it pretty much ruined it ruined a big part of the festival. It was so poorly done. So yeah, I'm not sure you're going to get table service at slam dunk this no, year. No, you probably struggle. But, um, but no, it was it was amazing, amazing to be back and definitely yeah, keen to get to some more now. Yeah, yeah. I just I guess there's there's quite a lot kind of starting to filter through now in terms of tours. I saw. Um, all time low on the main are doing some dates together in in the UK in September. 
Yeah, and Is they've got not? um, oh, who is it? Meet me at the altar. Who are like a kind of very much in band right now. Lots of people are talking about them. Yeah. Um, that there's a lot of hype about them. Yeah. So that that's quite a big tour. But yeah. Late late September or something. I think in the UK. Yeah. I think there's there's and there's loads of stuff you're seeing crop popping up in in the states as well. Like yeah, yeah I guess yeah that that's where a lot of them them are starting. So Bad Religion are doing a tour with massive tour with Alkaline Trio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is anything on your your radar to go to or just knuckling down wedding and saving money? Yeah, just, and things yeah like that? just doing that and trying to help Love Breakers book some stuff. Like so that, I mean, that's the All only right. kind of thing that I've been help them out rather than looking at things I might want to go to myself. But I think once my wedding's out of the way, I'll really you know sort of look more seriously at gigs I'd like so to go to. So is there a Love Breaker show on the horizon that you're likely to get to? Yeah, yeah. A couple towards the end of the this year. I'll, I'll not I'll not say them just yet because I don't think we're allowed to uh, announce them. But. Can you say where where they are, like demographically or geographically? Yeah, I mean, we're looking at putting like a hometown sort of belated album yeah. release show on. So that'll be, that'll be in Birmingham. I can say that at least, I think. But yeah, ho- ho- hopefully we could. You know, you can get to one too, and we can go to the same one. That would be cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll be there. Awesome. Table service, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the way forward now. <laughs> cool. Um, I've not really got my head into much new music to be honest with you. At the moment, obviously, been quite busy with your stuff and other yeah. stuff. Apologies <laughs> again to listeners because I said on the last show. Oh yeah, like next time we'll. Um, We'll properly uh, coordinate and we'll listen to some new releases. Um, so we haven't, as you can hear, we haven't got around to doing that. We will do it for the next show, I promise. Uh, yeah, I haven't l- listened to too much new stuff. There was um, there was that Jaden album with Travis Barker, which I thought was all right. It's very similar to Machine Gun Kelly and kind of, for me, got old quite quickly. Um, but it was all right for what it was. And then... Oh yeah, lots of people on Reddit are banging on about a band called like Bad Luck, full stop. And right. it, it, yeah, would like have a listen to it before the next show. It's their album sound. It's it's quite interesting. Like it's it's original. It's original sort of pop punk. Um, I struggled to get into it though. And then there's okay. another band called Settle Your Scores that lots of people are banging on about as well, who are doing the sort of early two thousands pop punk thing because they got an album out very soon, I think. Okay. On the list for next time, then. Yeah, those have been the main main things I've I've checked out. I think don't don't think there's too much else. Yeah, there's a few big releases coming up, isn't there? I think the Bleachers album's out soon, so I look forward to hearing that. Yeah, when's that coming out? I think it was late July, so fairly imminently, right. if oh. I remember correctly. Cool. All right. Well, we'll um, come well equipped, I guess, for 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 next time. Um, yeah, but I guess sad news about. Um, Mark Hoppus, recently. yeah, yeah, His cancer, cancer diagnosis. Yeah, re- um, re- really, really, really sorry to hear that. Um, have, have you seen much update about that? Um, just he's kind of had he's had two bouts of chemo now. Yeah, I, I think, think it might be three. I was okay. I was watching. He did he did like a Twitch update just yesterday or the day before, right? So. Okay. Um, at the time of recording, he was he was waiting for the results basically to see if if his chemo had worked, um, which is yeah. kind of a you know a crucial crucial juncture for him. So 
thoughts and prayers with him. And like, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed a full recovery. It. Yeah. It'd be good to good to see see Blink again at some point. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. A lot of love for Mark Hoppus. All right, should we um, get into this episode then? Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Um, so this a couple of weeks ago, um, the singer Jay Jackson was very kind to was kind enough to give us some of her time. Um, I've, I've I've been kind of following her music for a while because because Mike Ness of Social Distortion produced her, and I'm a huge Social Distortion fan, and I like her sound because it's kind of like a it's got a Lucinda Williams vibe, and I, I like Lucinda Williams and I like a bit of Americana. Um, so yeah, I've been try- trying to arrange this interview for a while and we finally had it and, um, yeah, she, she, she was really sound and, um, here it is. So where, where are you, where are you based in Jade? Where, where, which part of, of the States are you? So I'm in the central coast of California. So I'm kind of like halfway between Los Angeles and San Francisco, I feel like are the two landmarks that people not from California would recognize. And I'm in the middle, along the coast, so... Are you, and are you born and bred over that way, or...? Yeah, I was actually born in San Diego, in Spring Valley, San Diego. Um, and when I was two, my dad heard gunshots uh, when we were playing outside, kind of like a ghetto area of San Diego, and he's like, all right, we need to move somewhere else. And so my mom's family was um, from this kind of more of like a quaint, small area like more family oriented region of the state so we moved out here kind of the way i think we do these things is just a kind of a bit of a walk through i guess your um life in music and your introductions to music growing up you talked a little bit about your upbringing there i so, I yeah i guess tell us a little bit about your upbringing kind of when you got into music what you were getting into and um that kind of early journey i guess really yeah so i grew up around music because my dad was a huge music fan so he collected guitars and records and there was constantly music playing at the house even though he wasn't a musician himself there was surround sound music all day all the time since i was little and something i've thought about later on in life is that i think i gravitated toward music more so than my brother and sister because they grew up in the same household but wound up with different trades was because when I was born, I was legally blind, but my mom didn't know until I was four. So I think I was using audio as like a source of survival and also entertainment. And I just didn't, I didn't have the visual when I was, when I was one to four, which is when your, your brain's forming. So I really gravitated towards sounds and, um, you know, my dad played a lot of old country. My mom played a lot of old punk, you know, Susie and the Banshees, Echo and the Bunnymen, Gun Club, and then, you know, Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, um, Tammy Wynette on this side, you know, and uh, that was my my main inspirations I think I pulled from when I first started writing were what had flooded me when I was younger based on my parents', uh, my parents preference of music, musical taste, which I really appreciate if that makes sense. Yeah, so, no, absolutely. A lot to unpack there, but essentially I, I grew up in a music-loving household and I just never turned from it. And like, what about, what, what was like the first kind of music that you really got into like outside of what, you know, like your parents were listening to? Like what, what were those, is there anything that's like stuck to this day or was it, were they kind of phases? Well, or like, how did that work? Ev- 
everything really. I know a lot of a lot of my friends from school went through different musical phases. You know, listen to what's popular, what's on the radio. I never listened to the radio. I'm actually doing that more now as a 29 year old, like listening to pop music because I'm curious and I want to discover what everybody else is listening to just because I'm curious and, and I'm finding some really cool stuff. But I went through, you know, I think everyone really gets into and leans on music when they're like in middle school and high school, it kind of becomes your identity. And I love the music I grew up on so much. I never strayed from it. So I came into middle school with like a Stray Cats t-shirt on or, um, you know, Johnny Cash t-shirt on, whereas the other kids were like, who's that? What's that? And so that kind of became my identity was having this knowledge and background in music that nobody else really knew about. And so I really clung to that. And um, yeah, as I said, only recently have I been listening to more modern stuff. And there's there's so much out there. It's it's pretty amazing. What, what kind of modern stuff's impressed you recently? Well, I, <laughs> so I started running with a friend and we, we like to listen to music when we run. And so I'll mm-hmm. just be like, hey, what are you listening to? And she's like, listen to this song by... Um, Beyonce or this song by The Weeknd or all these artists that like obviously I've heard about but I've never delved into their sounds and having studied musical education in college I find myself especially in the more modern music that I'm listening to there's so many different layers so it kind of takes me away from the run and puts me in this world where I'm like oh there's that layer and then there's the synth and then there's horn section and then there's auto-tune and there's this and that whereas like emily harris graham parsons hank williams like there wasn't that much to pick apart it was just like Mm -hmm. it was like for the sake of the song and the music that i've been familiarizing myself with currently has been more like interesting to pick apart if that makes sense so just looking at it from that standpoint has been um a nice journey for me (laughs) yeah that makes sense and i I, I suppose you know you, you talk about the kind of music your parents were into and like your mum being into old school punk and stuff so was was obviously we're going to talk about social distortion um was that kind of on on the table and influence in the early days were your parents into that and also sorry i'm asking a whole bunch of questions at once but i either saw you say or i read somewhere like and correct me if i've got this wrong but is your mum friends with mike ness's wife or something so yeah i guess yeah, I'm just asking about how that all came into place. Yeah, of course. It's a pretty cool story. Um, yeah, so my mom went to uh, middle school and high school with Mike Ness's wife, Christina. And she's from, so as I said, I was born in San Diego, kind of in a yeah. sketchy area. My dad's like, we got to get out of here. We have kids. My mom's family is from this area. And so my mom went to high school around this area and grew up around this area and Christina, Mike Ness's wife, also um, has her family in this area as well. So from two to now, I've lived here. And when I was, you know, just about 13, I started performing and playing music. And Christina and my mom weren't super tight um, when I was a kid, but they did have that, oh, like an old friendship from their youth. And so they knew of each other. And Christina got pregnant with um, her and Mike's son, Julian, um, a couple mm-hmm. months after I was, pre- my mom got pregnant. So Julian and I are only a few months apart. And so I went oh, to wow. Julian's birthday parties when I was a baby <laughs> and all uh, of that. Okay. But Mike was on tour 
like really steadily through Julian's childhood. So I actually had never met Mike. I've obviously heard of him. I've obviously was a fan of his music. My parents did spin Social D at our, you know, on our record player, and we did also listen to Mike Ness solo records. And I was a fan. I had a Social D T-shirt, mm-hmm. um, all of that. But it was a little more removed than it might seem if you like look at it on paper. Like, oh, their moms are friends. Well, I didn't really have a conversation or know Mike super well. I just Christina knew of me through an old friendship from my mom and kind of kept tabs on what I was doing locally. And it wasn't until my junior year of college when she, you know, came into a cafe that I was doing an open mic at and was like, oh, I'm gonna send this little clip to Mike, sent it to Mike. And then um, that started, you know, that ignited the fire to have him work with me. But he, so we had heard of each other before, but he's obviously super busy. And I was just never thought you know, I wasn't expecting anything. I didn't, I didn't think he would ever listen to my music. So it was really a pleasant surprise. What, what, age, were you, <laughs> what age were you at that point then? When he heard the de- what the little clip Christina sent him, I was 22, 22, okay. 23. And were you doing, what were you doing kind of performance wise? Obviously you said you were at college and um, yeah, I guess we used write, writing a lot of music at that, at that point and doing a lot of kind of local shows. Yeah. Well, not too many. So I kind of a brief description of like the timeline was wrote my first song, like at the end of 12, beginning of 13, my dad stuck me in a coffee shop. He's like, you know, got people to listen to me from there from 13 to 19. I was playing an average of four shows a week because I, as soon as I performed in front of people, I was like, this is what I want to do. This is the only thing I want to do. Everything else falls second. And so I was just, I was hungry for it and I went for it. And um, so when I say Christina kept tabs on me in the area, I mean, she didn't really have a choice. Like I was hanging up my own posters everywhere. I was like going to all the local radio stations. I was playing on street corners. I was at every winery. I was playing background. Like I wanted it so bad. And then when I was 19, you know, simultaneously I'm waitressing at my parents' restaurant. And so when I was 19, I was like, okay, well, you know, when you're 13 years old, you think like, oh, I'm going to make it. You don't really know what that means. You're like, oh, I'm going to make it like soon, right? When I was 19, I was like, oh, I haven't like made it yet. Oh, shoot. I don't want to be a waitress. Like I better get a backup plan. So that's why I went to school, like to further my education and music so that if this, you know, my cur- my performance period didn't pan out, I wouldn't be stuck at the restaurant. But um, in college, I got in a really bad accident and I went through a lot of um, medical stuff and that's when for the first time I kind of came face to face with like oh I might actually not be able to travel and tour oh this is really depressing and since I had been doing shows and making my own posters and promoting my own stuff since I had been doing that for so long it kind of became like a very, like I was super serious about it. Like I was like very, like I knew where to hang my posters. I had my routines before shows. And after I went through my accident and had like medical stuff happen, it was kind of the first time I looked at music as something for fun and not something that I had to like make. I had to make, I didn't have that. I have to make it mentality anymore. And so I was back home for Christmas break 
And I just wrangled up boys in my neighborhood and I was like, you get on the banjo, you get on the like violin. Like let's do, we just like sat around in a circle and drank beer and played music. We're like, let's go play an open mic. So it was just for fun. I didn't make a poster. I didn't get dressed up. I didn't do my routine. And that's when Christina saw me and sent it to Mike. So it's kind of a funny, funny thing. It's right when I kind of just like, um, had a different relationship with my craft is when somebody else noticed it and said, okay, this can go to the next level. Uh, that was a lot. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it's great. no, no, that's, but, um, that's really yeah. cool. Like that, that's a great yeah. story. So then my, you know, my plan A became my plan A again. I didn't have to resort to plan B. I haven't used my, my degree at all. <laughs> so did, I mean, did you, did you kind of have, um, obviously kind of, I guess you broadly, I don't know, would you put yourself in the country category? Was that always kind of, the road you want to go go down from a from a style style point of view a genre point of view or um i yeah i always kind of before i met mike and worked with social distortion i was more like shooting and aiming towards like the mazzy star type thing echo and the bunnyman type like folk kind of weird ethereal reverberated um kind of more of a stripped down thing but so I had my folk and Mike had his punk rock and combined it, it sort of became this slightly clean like Americana country rock thing. Got it. So it wasn't intentional. I mean, I'm sure Mike had intentions behind like his instrument choices and stuff. But for me, it was just like, oh, my gosh, I get to work with this guy. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, who's going to play? Like it was more of just like a excitement. Like a- I heard somewhere that he he kind of like got you listening to maybe you were listening to her already but like got you listening to lucinda williams and kind of thought like that would be a good influence on your sound is there any truth to that because i know he's a big fan of lucinda williams yeah totally so i had heard of lucinda williams and graham parsons were like two of the artists that like i my dad definitely showed me but it wasn't like they weren't played as much as like hank williams and johnny cat like they weren't like in my mental thoughts and streams like as thick as like other artists um so i hadn't really sat down and like listened to her stuff through and through particularly that album so he did the first time i met with him he handed me the car wheels on the gravel road and he's like your homework is to listen to this and only this for three (laughs) months like right until we went to the studio and his intention behind that was i used to sing and i'm sure some days someday these will be dug up but i actually i i produced two records when i was in in high school that you know, have disappeared just because I wanted to focus on uh, the label record. But if you listen to those someday or watch old clips of me singing, I had never been confident in my vocals. I really just wanted to be a songwriter like Bruce Springsteen or like Hank Williams. So I kind of had to sing because nobody else would sing all the, I was writing buckets of songs and nobody just wanted to execute them for me. So because I was insecure about my voice, I, I did intentional tricks and trills and vibratos and things to try and make it like sound better. To, I thought that made it sound better. Yeah. And so Mike wanted me to listen to Listen to Williams because she does talk singing and she does straight singing. And she just she just tells a story and she doesn't try too hard. And so he wanted my vocals to kind of embody that technique. So what I mean, I guess what was the what was your kind of journey over those those two records then? Um, kind of how much were you what you doing from a touring perspective? Like how you know kind of what was what was that kind of couple of years like? Two three years like? Well, the first record we made, we had to wait over a year and a half before it 
went to the public. So there was like a good year there, like a holding cell. My band and I were just rehearsing in the garage, like waiting to get released. And then, you know, Social Distortion took us on tour for our first big, like, international tour and um how was that it was awesome i was just telling my friend about it actually a couple days ago it was funny because i had waited like so now we're at like 11 years of me wanting this and doing this to when i actually Mm -hmm. got to tour internationally and i put it in my head that if i can if i told like so i ended up getting really sick on the tour like really really sick but i told my bandmates i just said you can't tell management don't tell mike because I don't, I can't get kicked. I thought if I told somebody I was sick that I would never get the opportunity to tour again. So I just had all these like thoughts about touring that weren't actually reality. And it was a bit of a learning curve and it took many years for me to finally like understand touring and develop my pace and like my needs for touring and make it more of like a lifestyle and less of like a trying to please other people thing if that makes sense so the first record was learn it was just all learning and the second record was more of like chiseling away at how i can make this better how can i you know have this be sustainable because i want to do it forever um so yeah i just think but both records were just a, a whole lot of learning and now i finally feel confident enough in all areas to step into a recording space or a performance space and just be myself but it took me a while to get there <laughs> by the way have, have, have you have you st- have you started working on record three like um what what were the plans with that and was that interrupted with like the last year and a half and the events in the world and stuff mm, yeah so i during the pandemic i've written like over 75 songs at this point so that's just like Excellent. that's just kind of all i do and so it's kind of exhausting probably and overwhelming for the people I work with, because I'm like, here, here's all these songs. And they're like, oh, my gosh. So if I had it my way and I was in charge of the music industry, I'd put out a record, like a couple records a year. But there's so right. much behind the scenes and the infrastructure that I have a team for that I don't understand. So I kind of have to wait. So that's been my biggest dilemma is like, I want to get these songs out, but you have to wait for a record cycle. So during the pandemic, everyone, I know a lot of people have been creative and then there are people who just kind of use it as taking a break. I lean more towards the creative side and um, did a couple things that I, I definitely wouldn't have been able to do if the pandemic hadn't happened because we had a, like a full year of touring lined up. So I had this space, even though I was working at the restaurant, where I could create and write and like dream up other possibilities of music because we didn't even know if we'd ever be able to tour again. Mm-hmm. So I shifted more into like, I want to create something cool. Maybe I don't have to take it on the road, but like I want to collaborate more. And I, and I started getting into that world and I, um, there it's, it's not announced yet, but I do have a very fun and creative side project coming out, um, that I did with Aubrey okay. Sellers. So that's a side project that'll be coming out. And then as far as my last contracted record with Mike, cause we're in a three record contract, um, he mm-hmm. has all the new songs He's narrowed them down to what he wants to put on the record. It's just a matter of lining our um, schedules up because he also has to put out a couple social D records. And so it's just waiting. But I'm ready. (laughs) I got stuff coming out. So I I just got to wait for the whole team to be ready and we'll we'll do it. I guess before the pandemic, Wilderness was still, I guess, relatively new. Um, You say you you had tours booked, still kind of playing a lot of songs from that record. I mean, how yeah. much? How much was? How much did 
kind of was shelved in terms of shows. Well, I was really actually bummed because, well, we had Stagecoach. um, We had like five different festivals we'd been like gunning for for a really long time that we finally landed. We had um, a tour with Amanda Shires. Um, we had, yeah, we, we, it's like, we worked like, you know, five years to get to this point where things were just like unfolding. And then it was like, but luckily we let, we got off the road with Lucero on like a Thursday night and then the world shut down on a Saturday. So I'm so we've done, we've done handfuls of tours, my band and I, some of them you get off the road and you're like, I don't want to ever effing do that again. That was horrible. That was so hard. That was so unpleasant. Sometimes like the headlining bands are mean. There's just, they'll make you get ready in the hallway. But the fact that we ended with Lucero, they were the coolest, nicest, greatest, most wonderful people ever. It, It left us on such a high note that I think we were able to make it through the pandemic and still stay connected. Because I have a feeling if the world would have shut down after one of our more difficult tours. We would have all made, like my bandmates might've been like, ah, I don't really want to do this anymore. Peace out. Uh, but okay. thanks yeah. to Lucero yeah. and them treating us so well, we're like, okay, that tour was like the best tour ever. So like, just hold on. Like, I don't know when we'll get to do it again, but we will. And um, yeah. positive way to look at it. <laughs> is there, is yeah. there any, any talk of kind of plans yet or still just, still just waiting. I know social day. have got touring? some stuff. Yeah. I've got some stuff planned. Haven't they, Chris? Like tours, some tours in the diary. Yeah, they have. Um, there's this band I've started managing. I'm just curious if, if if you know them, Jade, because they're friends with um, Julian, who's obviously Mike's son, who's in in your band, uh, a band called Love Breakers. You ever come across them? But Mike's taking them out on tour when he comes over in Europe, which is we're all excited about. That's awesome. Um, no, I haven't. I have to talk to Julian about them. I haven't really looked into their music so that's awesome the love breakers love breakers breakers? yeah it's kind of they're they're called love breakers is taken from tom petty and the heartbreakers it's a play on that because tom petty is a big influence on them so they're kind of like that mixed with green day but sound very english i would say cool that's awesome yeah i was just going to ask a bit about um julian being in the band with you like you said you guys just like grew up together and stuff um you know was that did did he kind of come on board before you started working with mike or did that kind of follow in suit after that um that followed after so i okay. originally had you know a, a four-piece band and myself so there was five of us and then you know i had to let one of the, my i had to fire somebody in my band which was really difficult because of like personal stuff that was happening okay. behind the scenes um we're all good now but back then it was really hard and then there was just the four of us and um first my guitar player had to quit and then my bass player player quit but in between those two things i was faced with oh no like i because i thought this is going to be my band through and through throughout my entire touring you know like like we're springsteen and the east street band like that was my dream or like the rolling stones or whatever um but after my guitar player quit i was like oh gosh like totally devastated and heartbroken and he did it for legitimate reasons and like we're cool too like nothing crazy or dramatic like but um julian kind of came to the forefront of my mind and julian works in the recovery and he had a really good job at the time i think he's back into it now during the pandemic but i knew he was making a good amount of money and he was helping a lot of people and i was hesitant to ask him to join the band even though i knew he was really good because i didn't want 
I'm like, oh, yeah, come up in the van with us and, like, scrape by and eat granola bars for a living and, like, gas station food when, like, he had, like, this plush, like, situation for himself. But I was like, well, I'll never know unless I ask. So, you know, I asked him. I just, like, let him know. I was like, the only thing I can guarantee you about this is that I'm never going to give up. And, I, you know, and I want to be a team. And if you want to join, like, I would, I would love to have you before I audition other players. And he gave it some thought and he said, yeah. So... He's a very That's integral cool. part of the band now, and he's super talented, obviously, and just elevated, I think, um, our stage presence just because he has such a cool look naturally, and he's just really gifted. So I've been really fortunate to have him have him with us. Uh, and just, just on the touring front, in terms of you say you did some international stuff with, with Mike, did you do much in the UK? Have you got any, any experiences from the UK? Yeah, I haven't toured with Social Distortion in the UK. Um, we have done we've done a couple headlining uh, tours there, and it was amazing. We had a great time. We you know we've done um, you know Europe was awesome. It was definitely something on my bucket list, and the fans and people that we performed for were like, we were talking about it with my band and I were like, you know, when we tour across america it's like you always know when it's a tuesday because people are a little tired you always know when yeah. it's a wednesday and then when it's a saturday everyone's going crazy and it's like yeah it was like in europe every day was a saturday like everyone was always ready to like sing along and jump up and down and stay up till three and like buy merch like you guys just have it going on so we love we love traveling over there where, where were some of your highlights in europe honestly i just i had no expectations my first tour there because there are some places in america when we first started touring where you know there'd be a couple couple people standing there watching us so i was like well if there's only a couple people watching us in virginia there's probably going to be like negative five people watching us in france or whatever but then we show up and we sold out all these little clubs and i was just like beside myself like what there's like a crazy niche for americana over there and um, I just felt so lucky that I got to travel without, you know, without having to like plan it myself. I've, I've, I've always known like music was going to take me special places and, um, and it really has. Cool. So, I mean, looking forward then, um, I guess get, you've got your little side hustle on the go and got a new album yeah. that, that Mike's going to produce. And I guess is the plan to get that out this year and do, I guess, I guess the touring's probably going to be in the States to start with given you know the, the situation of the world at the moment yeah but, and what's what's yeah. what's the kind of next 12 months look like for, for you you know i really wish i knew i'm such a planner <laughs> yeah. and like i would learn i would cut off my left arm to have a schedule of the next 12 months but i feel as if the industry is kind of shooting in the dark nobody knows if we're gonna sh- you know nobody really knows anything all i know is that we have a festival in montana that rolled over from 2019 pre-pandemic and we've booked a little solo tour out there and like a co-headlining little a few shows. And then we have a couple of things that we're trying to confirm, but nothing mm-hmm. is unfortunately confirmed. I think unless you're at the social distortion level or like the bigger artist level, those of us like on my level are kind of just like waiting to see what happens. Cause a lot of the venues that we used to perform at shut down, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. so we'll see, but just know that I'm ready. I got a suitcase right there in my room. I'm practicing every day and I can't wait. It's just, there's, there's so much more to it than that, that, you know, I have to practice my patience. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've talked about it on, on this show with other guests you know the hope is that there's, there'll be a real big appetite for for live music again with people being 
indoors and you know not not seeing not seeing any for so long you know i think it'd be be you know bigger than ever and much more appetite for it for it than yeah well i think i think your song jade obviously the one about about this situation i forget the title six foot changes or whatever i think i think you sum it up quite nicely with those lyrics thank you yeah that one was produced by ethan ballinger um i just knocked it out one evening when i was working on the side project with aubrey sellers i was like i have this song and i want to put it out and Ah, it was a bit of an afterthought but um i I knew i wanted to get it out quickly and i didn't want to have to wait for all the things you have to wait for with an album cycle so I'm really a fan of singles. I think after I sum up my contract and do this last record with Mike and I am more of on my own trajectory, I'm going to just yeah. be pumping out more stuff because that's more my style. So the more content, the better. Yeah. yeah. I think you're seeing a lot more of that as well now across the board, aren't you, really? The way the industry is now mm-hmm. and the way the way music is um, consumed, I think, just lends itself to, to you know, to, to more regular singles rather than yeah, than albums yeah, although i guess that the whole vinyl the vinyl revival that we're seeing now is kind of bringing back in a, a bit of an appetite for that but yeah i guess it's where it's about finding that balance isn't it really yeah definitely so this side project is that likely to come before the the, the third record or which, yeah what's, what's coming first okay yeah it'll it's it's ready to go okay. <laughs> so, so it, really soon gonna, we're gonna hear hear something about it in the next couple months yeah Oh, okay. So, Super soon then. Yeah. Right, we'll look forward. To, we'll look forward to that. I'm very that. excited about that. It's very different <laughs> than what I've very done with different. Mike. Okay. But it's, okay. It's, I'm curious. It's just. Um, it was more of just like, hey, we don't know if we're gonna be able to tour on this. We don't know if anyone's gonna listen to this, but like, let's just do this for us. And it was so fun and so so much fun. It was like the most fun I've ever had. So I'm really, even if everyone's like, what is she doing? What is this? I don't even care. Like I have this record to listen to and be like, oh, that, that was such a fun experience. So um, I hope you guys like it. But um, yeah, it's really different. I'm definitely so. curious to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's rude. People, dude, people comment are so rude sometimes. Like when I put out Six Feet Changes, I had to stop reading my comments. They're like, don't stray too far away from Mike Ness. It's like, what? Like, I'm my artist too, you know? Like, anyway, I just, I'm, I, moving forward, I'm not going to read comments and I'm just going to put out no. as much versatile, I mean, yeah. weird shit I can. That's just the internet across the board, though, isn't it, really? Let's be honest. Uh, yeah. Anything you were to post, you're going to, yeah, there's going to be some, some, <laughs> some warrior, yeah. keyboard warrior somewhere. Totally. No, no. I, I, I think it's a great song and I'm not just saying it because I'm, because you're here but uh yeah thank you i i really enjoyed um cleansing myself of it when i processed and written it It was more like a therapeutic thing for me so i'm happy that people are connecting to it and the people that are that's okay um my drummer always said like told me he's he's the only um last standing member of my original band um so i go way back with him so he was just like when we start getting internet trolls, that's when we've made it. And we everyone's totally. been so nice. And then all of a yeah. sudden, like with that song, we're getting like some trolls. He's like, no, like that's a good thing. And I'm like, what? It doesn't feel good, but okay, I'll just <laughs> stop reading those comments. But yeah, our it's numbers true. spiked quite a bit with that with that song. So we got a lot right. of a lot of new fish in the pond, like squawking <laughs> at us for negative things. And that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So. I think um, we could probably... Uh, Wrap, wrap things up um well there there is a couple of notes on here um asking what oh, your dream tour is oh oh yeah we're, we're, down, we're down to the bog standard broad questions <laughs> that we ask everyone at the end yeah 
Oh, that's yeah, cool. Well, Bruce Springsteen, only when nice. management and my label asked me that, who do you want to tour with? Like when I first got signed, I was like, Bruce Springsteen. And they're like, well, sorry, he doesn't really tour with anyone because he puts on a four hour show. Um, but he is my all time like hero. Like if I met him, I'd probably throw up and fall over. Like I just, he's like, to me, like just such a good storyteller, which is my favorite part about this whole thing is yeah. if you could tell a story through your song. So, um, so it would be touring with him um, if he never meets me or tours with me and that dream doesn't come true. My second choice, you didn't ask me for a second choice, but um, I'll just give you my first. Bruce Springsteen would be my first choice touring with I him. I mean, it's a good one to stick yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah, say so. It's, it's, yeah. it's a safe one. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. ev- ev- everyone likes him and rightly so. I mean, I mean, you meet the old person who don't, who don't like him and then, yeah. You don't like them? Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't what, like, what's your favorite? Yeah. I mean, this this is a bit of a broad question. What's your favorite Springsteen? I'm not even going to go album. I'm just going to say song or contenders for your favorite Springsteen song. Mm, that's hard because Nebraska is my favorite album like of all time. But I have been mm-hmm. spending a lot of time listening to the river and um, the song that song. I don't know if it's called River or the River, but I'm just like, how did he do that? Or Mansion on a Hill in Nebraska, I can connect to because I had kind of a humble upbringing. Um, yeah, I, he's just too good. That's all. Have you seen the movie Blinded by the Light by any chance? Blinded but I haven't. I don't. I haven't seen a lot of movies. It's kind of embarrassing, but I grew up without tv and i just never been a part of my life so is uh, that a bruce springsteen movie yeah i mean it's bruce springsteen oriented movie but it's like the, it's the best kind of uh, stance on it it's about uh, like a british pakistani kid who grew up in the 80s true story grew up in the 80s and like became obsessed with springsteen and it's just it's like a love letter to bruce springsteen but it's just a it's a lovely film it's, oh, uh, I'll it's have worth to seeing see if that. you ever get the chance oh right on i know um i've heard about um and i've still yet to see um highway Patrolman. There's like a movie based on it, like played by Sean Penn about his um one of his songs on Nebraska. So I'm yet to see that. So yeah, that's I'm the thing. Like with too. music, as you know, most people they are like they have a they have such a love for an artist as I do for Bruce Springsteen, and they know everything about him because they Google it and they watch all the things. I really just have the records. Like I and then I come up with other things in my head about like oh they must be like that or this, but I don't. Like I'm so removed from like the internet and all and like technology that I don't have the same gumption to like fully deep dive and dig, but I do have the records and I'm just obsessed with them. So, yeah. Yeah, like uh, unless you got anything else, Nick. Like, just want to thank you again for your time, Jade. It's been it's been awesome. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, um, thank you guys. Yeah, we'll be sure to give that new stuff a listen and a bit of a, a plug when 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 it when it comes out. Hundred percent. Yeah. And I can't wait for you to arrive. And I can't wait for you to arrive.